Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. This week, we're going to do something really special for you. Brought people in. I want you to meet them, talk to them, call in. We've got some really great information. But today's podcast is called Being Comfortable, Being Me. There's so many times, I'm sure all of us can recall, even today on my way here, how you don't feel comfortable about yourself, where you're not sure, am I really anxious? Are they looking at me because I have like curly hair? Or are they thinking, you know, do I look different? And you know, you may not look different. And some people don't look different, but are inside, you can't see it. Some people are different on the outside and you can see it and that makes it maybe worse. I don't know, maybe it makes it better. But overall today, we're gonna be talking about what does it mean to be comfortable in your own skin? How can our perceptions of other people affect how we view ourselves? Are we really just projecting, because I don't like that type of person, that they maybe see me that way, and then I don't, or is it something about me I don't like, and then I don't like it in you? Those are the kinds of things that then lead out into anxiety and not feeling comfortable with yourself, or just feeling like you're different, and how do you deal with that? How can parents, most importantly, talk to their children about how they feel and if they are different and how they are loved the same and it doesn't matter and how do you help your child cope if they are different and then the usual four points we're going to take away from today's podcast about learning ways to be comfortable being me so today's guest i want to introduce because this is the best part of the day is my good friend garcelle bouvet and sebastian jones who are the authors of this really really wonderful book that will be pushing out on twitter and facebook and everywhere you got to get a copy of it it is called i am mixed welcome guys thank girls. you for having us thank you, <laughs> thank you. So tell us thank a little you. bit about where you've been what you're doing these days i mean you know you're on tv all the time yeah so. i've been work has been really great as an actor for me and i've been branching out doing other things and doing talk shows and um, but a big part of everything that's going on really is about the book because I have two little boys who are uh, mixed. I am um, Haitian. Their dad is Irish. And I really wanted them to sort of have a sense of themselves so that they're comfortable and also start a conversation with when they do get at school, you know, why is your mommy brown and your daddy's white? Yeah, absolutely. You and know? Right. And, and it's important. And I just wanted to I just wanted to sort of plant a seed in their head before they got the actual question so that they could answer it confidently and feel good about themselves. So that's where it all started. That's wonderful. I mean, that's a good, solid grounding for any child to be able to know that, you know, it is what it is. You're not ignoring something right. and you're giving them the tools and you know what was interesting is when i told them they kind of looked at me like what, what are you talking about we're different like you <laughs> and dad aren't the same you know right. what i mean it was really it's wonderful interesting that they didn't even get that right. until i put it in but their head but again earlier like i was saying is that your own stuff that sometimes we put onto our kids because we would feel different maybe they don't even know about it it's like someone who's right. never heard before that's deaf and you say you want your hearing and they're not sure they really want to hear yeah. because like they've never done they don't know any different right, right. and i think and a lot of it where'd is you find this guy I found this guy, guy at the park. Who is he? <laughs> well, hello. Met hello. at the park. It was a rainy Sunday morning, and I was actually in a very dark place because I was going through my divorce. And uh, the kids started playing together. Um, and then so Sebastian and I struck up a conversation. And before you knew it, we were talking for like maybe an hour. And I was like, hey, what do you do? And he said, well... I'm a publisher and I just published my first kid's book and I wow. thought totally predetermined I that's set the great. whole Whoa. thing up I had you know I'd stalked Garcelle and, uh, <laughs> right. and thought oh she's got a couple of mixed kids I'll bring this tag along kid that I have who happens <laughs> to be mixed and uh, let them play no many so, things uh, are said in jest Garcelle <laughs> <laughs> no it's very very cool but you know to touch on what you said earlier is um, what's been the f amazing feedback for our book are 
is the different locations. So something that might be more in a cosmopolitan city, you know, where kids might not necessarily feel like, oh, am I different? I didn't realize. And like like ourselves. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like my like my kid. Um, but um, we start to get these fe- you know feedback from lots of other different states where kids are being picked on for being mixed. Sure. They're not light Lots enough. Of bullying. Not dark, Absolutely. Yeah, not dark enough. Uh, a lot of bullying. And uh, so the feedback has been really uh, tremendous. Well, tell me about you. I mean, you have a child. I do, yeah. Um, originally from England. My uh, my mom is from India. Couldn't tell that. Yeah, th- <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I'd think uh, I'd be in trouble if I lost my accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom uh, mo- uh, moved from India at a young age to England. Um, so I'm 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 very mixed. My mum is uh, Indian, Portuguese, Dutch, a whole bunch of stuff, and my son is uh, son's mum is uh, Cuban and Peruvian. Very nice. Um, yeah, so it's uh, very much a, a good uh, a good melting pot of a lot of different cultures. It's interesting though because you yourself are mixed, mm-hmm. and now your child is, yeah. and it's you and your children are mixed, but you're right. not. Right. So it's great perspectives. You're yeah. not. You are. Your mm-hmm. kids are. It's great. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, for me, when I left Haiti at the age of seven and moved to Massachusetts, I didn't speak a word of English, so I couldn't go to school right away. So when I did mm. go to school. Because I never thought of myself as different. Because in Haiti, a lot of people right. look like me. Right. But going to a school where I was the only black child, where you know kids would touch my hair or feel my skin, you know, probably planted a seed that now I now planted into my children right. about being different and being able to own. And tell that. me, tell me, and we're going to have an expert join us in a few seconds. But I want to talk about what does it feel like to think should I not have brought this up? No, 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 no. I never. I don't regret that at all because I think. It definitely empowers them, good, and it also helps them understand other children who right. may look like them or or look different from them. Or watching some child go through that, or their friend, and be able to know how to handle that or help them support them. Exactly. Right. So silence is not a good thing. No, no not never, at all. Very never. good. No. All right. So unless join- at the dinner table, I'd <laughs> like sometimes. a little silence. Right, and no technology. <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. No. So you don't ever regret like I should not have no, brought it up because when they looked not. at you and said, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, which I was really surprised. Like, why didn't they catch Pick on? Because yeah. they don't live in that world. Right. 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 Yeah, they're pure. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, they're proud of it and they take the book to school and they, right. you know, right. they want to show it off to all their friends. And it's been really, really fantastic. And even their friends who are non-mixed children mm-hmm. are taking it to school and having their teachers read it. I get emails from their mom saying, you know... Why it loves your book? That's great. Do you, <laughs> it is really do you read great. Read it anywhere? I do. Yeah, we go to different schools, we mm. go to different places, and read it. It's been great. Very nice. It's funny. Yeah. I did a reading in uh, <clears throat> Oregon, and uh, some of the kids are like, uh, you know, so everyone feels that they're mixed. You know, I mixed American and Californian. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and one kid, I kid you not, said, "I mixed American and redneck." And oh. I thought, Bless, yes, you are. You poor little boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that you said um, at the outset of your show, you know, that you're not different. I mean, it's funny. I, I think that there's one one thing I'm very much, uh, you know, for we are different and that's something that's celebrated. You know, you cel- the celebration of different cultures is a beautiful thing. You know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in, oh, we're all the same, we're all the same. And I'm like, no, dude, we're not. Right, and that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. It's a it's, really good thing. It's the the, the misconception of uh, people are afraid of change or oh, yeah. differences, of whereas course. it should be a, a celebrated thing. I mean, you sit around a Thanksgiving table and you have 12 or 15 different kinds of people, different right. cultures. It's that's such right. a deeper, meaningful, yeah, fun cultural experience than everybody the same. Right, right, right. 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 So... 
like when I say, are you comfortable in your skin? Is that like the message of this? Was it like, am I just comfortable in general being me? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it starts from there. I think if you're confident in who you are on the yeah. inside, then you're, um, you'll be confident in other areas, hopefully, you know, and I feel like this day and age, so many times now, I think we sort of compare our insides to people's outsides. Like, give me an and example. You, well, I think, you know, you may see somebody who seems like they have it all. And then you start questioning, am I doing the right things? Mm-hmm. Am I doing all these things? And should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And you don't, you have no idea. You're just comparing their outside, but you don't know what's going on with them. So I think the more we can be strong in how we feel about ourselves, I think then we can go on and sort of tackle on whatever else that life sends to you. And yeah, and that's really why we did this series. I mean, the, the, you know, this is I am mixed. It's a sense of self-affirmation, um, self-confidence, self-confidence within, celebrate your own uniqueness, so, you know. Talk to me about, like, obviously it was the common denominator between the two of you when you mm-hmm. kind of met. Yeah. Mm. So is that where this whole thing, like the genesis of it was? Because that's what brought you to discuss this even. Yeah, I mean, I had an idea about writing a children's book, but didn't know what to do with it, how to go about it. So meeting him was just kismet. And it but was did you perfect. know what you wanted to write about or no? No, not then. I mean, I knew it was something having to do that my kids could relate to, you right. know, not finding books where the characters look like them or, you know, have hair like them. And that was really important for me because we go to bookstores all the time and go to libraries and couldn't find that right. kind of representation. Right. And so that was both of your things. Is you Did you have this with your child before? I mean, I. I mean, had it come up? I didn't actually. No, I mean, it was uh, it was this this meeting. I mean, really, it, it was pretty uh, pretty awesome to have that and that self discovery. Also, for me, it's, it was very cool because BMX growing up in a very kind of small white village, as per se, in uh, England, I dealt with a lot of um, fisticuffs and all sorts of craziness. So it's a very kind of cathartic release. And going through the experiences I went through and being able to, to write them out and flesh them out. So there was a release, but you didn't even know there needed to be a release where you thought there had to be something to, to break yeah, through yeah, yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny I because... I am a shrink. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, you know, the fact that we got Halle Berry to write the foreword of the book was really huge because she understands that but right. getting people who come up to us all the time separately mm-hmm. and together mm-hmm. saying i wish there was a book like this when i was growing right. up because so many times people didn't know what to put me in what category to put me in um it's been really great and i remember when tiger woods came out and and didn't sort of claim just being black he said i'm all these things and i remember the black community being feeling offended and feeling left out because he didn't choose Mm -hmm. and i think what's great about this book is you don't have to choose i don't think you need to choose why not celebrate your heritage from both sides of the family and embrace all that you are as opposed to just picking one and being representative of that and is that your message and that's and yeah it's just being Mm -hmm. happy of what what mix your you are celebrating your culture the, yeah, the celebrating all cultures, you know, it's such a sensitive issue here in the states. Very, now, very, you know, and that uh, you know, uh, especially for obviously the history of this country being so segregated, and um, the it was very important for for us to make sure, especially for black communities, it wasn't an exclusionary. Or no, a, it was a, in, you know, it's 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 time that we uh, celebrate all cultures and very much the uh, the black American experience. Absolutely. My other question to you is, do you think, as you've done the tours of all this in this book stuff, have you seen that there's more weight or less weight or importance on 
differences that you can see versus differences you can't see. Like, you know, if you have two cultures that are the same, so the genetics don't make you look different, but mm. you're different inside or mm -hmm. whatever, or somehow you got curly hair when you, nobody else in the family does because long ago there was a connection or a crossover. Do you see that one way being important external stuff versus internal differences? In a mix. Me personally, I think I think both are very very important because they're essentially your your makeup. You know, it's uh, your get up. You you know um, how you wake up in the morning. You know, looking in the mirror to how what in you know what spiritually or what's passed down generation right. um, on the inside. Um, me as just a, a dude that gets out of bed and hopes for the best. Right. Externally, <laughs> right. I'm not usually as concerned, but it's uh, what affects what affects your core being. Um, I dated a, um, a lady, or was engaged to a lady. Her mum was part of the Black Panthers, and she was, she very much uh, instilled in me that concept of, um, it's we, you know, like I was saying earlier, we're not all the same. It's a concept of embracing your culture, and that's good. You know, there's mm -hmm. a reason why right, our absolutely. foods are different, we dance absolutely. different, we walk different, we right. talk different, our dialects different, our historic, you know, historically all these various things and how they've uh, kind of been passed down through generations. Yeah, I think it's important. This book is huge because it allows the early onset of this knowing and the tools to be able to manage. Mm -hmm. And you'll see how that will trickle over years of lessening and the racial kinds mm -hmm. of conflicts, but giving people tolerance because you're already taught from an early age, like your boys had no idea that this was an issue, right. that right. they don't ever grow to be yeah. you know, hating and, and right. all that right. kind of stuff. And You'll even see in between, how that translates. Sure, and even between my two boys, one's much lighter than the other. So even within right. our own family, right. there's all kinds exactly. of different you know, shades and yeah. appearances. Yeah. Right, and if you don't have the tools and the acceptance early on, you're gonna get angry because it's gonna be a rougher ride for Big you. Time. Exactly. And joining us for this great discussion is an expert, wonderful, well-trained expert, Dr. Dida Oliker. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Ah, uh, we've been looking for you we in this have. microphone. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I want to tell you a little bit about, tell everyone a little bit about you. You're a PhD. You began your career in theater at the University of California, UCLA. Is that here in LA you did it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Ah, so she has something in common with Garcelle. I was just going to yes. say, <laughs> a fellow actor. Right. And then. No, I wasn't an actor. I was backstage. Oh, okay. Ah, <laughs> ah is that better or worse, I wonder? <laughs> depends. It depends. So tell us a little bit about how you evolved into this field. I was uh, at UCLA. Uh, the uh, university had just teamed up with uh, the community of theater people out here who wanted to do theater. And they formed the theater group at UCLA uh, in the early 60s. And ultimately, it uh, morphed into the Mark Taper Forum at the Music Center. Oh, very neat. And I was one of the founding members of that group. And I uh, stayed there for quite a few years. I was director of special programs. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, had a, a personal tragedy that uh, changed my life. Oh. And I became uh, a therapist. Very nice. Wow. Interesting. So from a perspective of, you know, not aging you, but in the 60s, <laughs> what was it like? Was there a lot of issues about mixed people or people with differences? Um, there was always, uh, I, in fact, I want to expand this even more to, to include a much broader uh, group which is the entire population. Because <laughs> yes, in each family, in each group, 
there are differences between people. Absolutely. That's what you were saying, Sebastian. So that, let's say you have a family, and um, one child is seen as the smart one, and Mm -hmm. one is seen as, well, not so smart. And the message, which is not that different, then this group is acceptable and that group is not. Right. And so you get pegged into being um, categorized as uh, something that you may or may not be. Right. And I think that the very things that you're talking about, to be, re- to be able to discuss it early, to not only discuss it, but to be able to really accept each one as an individual, mm-hmm. each group, each child, as what, in fact, they are. Well, why do you think it's better to do it early? Uh, because um, the effects... Um, okay. This gets me into a little bit of a technical stuff, so stop me if I get too technical. <laughs> All right, I have gotten fascinated by the research about the brain and the um, <clears throat> power uh, of r- the right brain, which is really quite new in terms of our field, mm-hmm. is touching into what we call implicit knowing. Uh, let me make a minor discuss. you know, uh, not a minor, but explicit is based on language, it's conscious, it's what we know about knowledge. That comes right, that's the left brain to the left brain, to how we learn things. Mm-hmm. Right brain to right brain starts at birth. Left brain to left brain starts when language starts. So here you have communication between an, an adult or another person and an infant at birth. And it is implicit. It is not conscious. It is not verbal. And it's a sense of a knowing how to be with the other, which then becomes encoded as implicit memory. And you see this very, very early on with infants where they play or respond or react differently to a mother than they would to a father Mm -hmm. because they have learned implicitly how to be with the other. And when you start to look at that, you begin to realize how much of how we relate to people, how we feel about ourselves, is based on so much of communication that we're not even aware is being given. Yeah, like non yeah. like nonverbal stuff. Oh, it's it's nonverbal, it's non conscious. Wow. It's not we don't even know it's being encoded. We don't even know we have memory of it. So my question to you is then if you have a mom who's maybe looks at her child and <clears throat> is a mixed child and has a feeling about it, even like you say unconsciously, does that translate to that child and then that kind of dictates and starts to formulate the way that child will then learn to react to others absolutely interesting very interesting and so these are these are the subtleties of this book of why it's so important Mm -hmm. to really make sure one of the things that's so important to recognize when we talk about who this person is Mm 
uh, and for so many years it was nature versus nurture. Right. Now it's nature and nurture combined. And the way I read it once, it, it, it had a beautiful sound to it. It's like weaving, that when we weave, there is an interweaving of two, um, two cloths, let's say. That's the concept of how we weave who we become, mm-hmm. not how we weave, but how it is done mm-hmm. between nature and nurture in a constant weaving, each affecting the other. So as an example, if you have a child who by nature is, is born very active and curious, mm-hmm. how that parent responds to that personality dimension of the child will make a difference in how that child exists in the world. I believe that. Totally, absolutely. Totally, because if they are accepting, if they are comfortable, Mm -hmm. if there is what we call a good fit, Mm -hmm. then the child has comes into the world feeling good about themselves, feeling secure, or whatever it is. If the mother or father has a problem with that kind of activity, or the mother, let's say, is depressed, or anything that doesn't work as a good fit, mm-hmm. the child is deeply affected by that. So how do, how do we help parents and people who are listening to this to be able to get themselves in check before they have a child, as they have a child, if they see themselves feeling or being aware of behaviors that might be reactive to something that could send the wrong message or lay the wrong mapping in their brain? Um, I think they need to look at their own prejudices. They have to look at their own backgrounds. Mm -hmm. They have to allow themselves to see themselves as people who have opinions, who have ideas uh, about other people, and begin to understand that that will affect their children. And to help themselves by reading about how we free ourselves of prejudice, of how sometimes our beliefs are based on our own histories and what families we come from. I have a blog on psychology today, and it's called, and it's labeled The Long Reach of Childhood, because how we experience our world in childhood, Mm -hmm. the messages that our parents got as as children that have passed down to us who now will be parents. Right. Without Absolutely. even knowing it. Absolutely. Without even knowing it. Without even knowing right. it. Yeah. And you know, be- because these are such sensitive issues, even within ourselves as parents, a book like this is great because it's simple and it's not threatening. Right. And it's a way that you can almost, like, I'm going to read it to somebody else, but really you're reading it to yourself. Mm. Uh, and it's safer. Right. I have a question for you guys. Um, do you think that there's a place or a time in our life that we begin to dislike ourselves, parts of ourselves? I mean, you know, from a psychological standpoint, is there anything to back that up, that there's a starting place? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it can start uh, at any point where we start to see ourselves as a disappointment, Mm -hmm. as um, someone who's not... um, uh, doing things that I should be doing, Mm. um, 
and we get a lot of feedback about you're not smart enough, you're not studying enough, you're too lazy, you're too this, you're too that. Right. Um, my um, uh, belief, and, and this is a very strong belief, it's what my book is about, is that we come into the world with a potential. And there's all sorts of potential for success, for beauty, for we have a great voice, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the messages of our childhood include where we need not to live our potential. Let me just quickly give you a, a, a brief way of looking at it. I use the Snow White story. And Snow White, not the Disney version, but the oh. original <laughs> version, Snow White's only seven when she actually shows up in the mirror. And uh, the stepmother has this magic mirror, who's the fairest of us all. And the moment that Snow White at seven shows up in the mirror, the, the, the stepmother is filled with envy. Uh, you talked about envy in right. one of the podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and envy can be very destructive. Very. And she attacks the child, uh, not just with the old lady and the apple, but actually there are other attacks that she uh, tries. And somehow the, the dwarfs save her, but think about living with a couple of dwarfs when you're seven years old, you know. And um, the, uh, the prince finds her and falls madly in love, and they live happily ever after. And that's a fairy tale. Right. Now, children think concretely. And you ask a child, well, what does Snow White need to do? And adults don't get this, so I'll tell you what a child says. They say, well, Snow White's got to stay out of the mirror. Right. How does she stay out of a mirror? Think concretely. And the child says, she needs to be ugly. Right, so she's not competing. She's not competing. Oh, wow. But she develops what I call a survival system, a survival adaptation that creates a need in her to be ugly. She gets older, and she wants to be beautiful, and she's always sabotaging herself. Right, and she probably is beautiful. And she basically is beautiful, but you need to be beautiful. I mean, you need to be ugly. You'll find a way. You're overweight, you're too thin, your hair is a mess, you pick your skin, whatever. And people start to get annoyed with her. They get unhappy with her. Well, you have such potential, but you're always doing something. You're just impossible. You're lazy. You're... And there's a whole list of things. So she she sets it up as a self-sabotage. Yes, but she's internalized a belief as a child of what she needs to do. And there are some yeah. very interesting studies of, of survivors of the Holocaust that I've now recently read, where it is now the how the survivor, the original survivor, survived what they experienced, be it as, as uh, in the camp, as in hiding, or mm-hmm. as a rescuer, that they internalize that as a way of existing, of surviving. And the pattern is passed down now through several generations. Right, right. I once worked with a young boy. I specialized in adolescence. 
and I was at a clinic, and there was a young boy who had not spoken. He was now 10 or 11. He had not spoken since he was five. Wow. wow. And nobody understood why. Um, he, had, he had a capacity to understand. He was in a special school, but still, you know, it, was, it made no sense. And uh, the previous year, the um, father was also in therapy. He was Indonesian, and um, the boy was with the therapist, but nothing seemed to happen. Nothing changed. And they put the father and the son together. And I was still an intern. And I really, frankly, didn't know what to do with them. So I just spoke to the father. Uh, and the boy sat there quietly and silently. And the boy started to speak in class. And I was getting credit for something I had no idea of what I was doing. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> take it. Take yeah. it. You know, and take I had to credit. admit it. And my supervisor said, well, whatever you're doing, just keep on doing it. Right. Even if it's and nothing. <laughs> it turns out that the father as a child was only 12 when the Japanese invaded his country. And he was put in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And the elders of the camp had warned the children, don't speak because they'll see it as conspiracy. Don't make eye contact. They'll see it as challenge. Mm. Keep your eyes down and keep silent, which is exactly what this child was doing. And he got that from his dad without his dad actually verbally saying that. Implicit knowing. Unbelievable. That's how it And what was happening is because I had to do something, so I kept on talking to the father. And the space between, and I'll go, you'll understand this when I say this, Jermaine, because uh, in theater, as you know, this, the reality of, of a scene is, is, is developed in the space between, right? Right. And when the space between isn't working, you sort of try to change, as the director, try to change what's happening in the space between the two actors. Mm-hmm. And so what was happening was the space between the father and me was changing to the boy was beginning to breathe. Wow. That's powerful. That's where my theater background has been so fantastic. Wow, that's that's, fantastic. That's what this book can do. That's the tool that this book can do. That's right. That's a a fabulous tool we have. And so the boy began to speak. That's unbelievable. That's fantastic. I I want to read us an email we just got from Melissa from Chicago is saying, I have a very affluent group of friends, and sometimes I find myself making up excuses why I can't make group dinners or other expensive hangouts. I don't feel embarrassed. I just don't want it to become a big thing or for them to feel bad for me because I don't have the money. Am I wrong here? Am I actually uncomfortable in my own skin because I don't have money and I can't afford things? What would we say to her? Garcelle, what do you think? I think the fact that she's owning up to one not being able to keep up is fantastic because right then and there you're saying, okay, I acknowledge my my situation and I'm not trying to live with the Joneses. And I think the fact that she doesn't want them to have to pay for her is also fantastic. I think she's owning it. And I think, you know what, sometimes when you can go out and hang out with them, that's great. And when you can't, then you acknowledge that and do something else. Okay, but it's not her being uncomfortable. I don't think it's her them. being under her. No. Okay. No. I, I don't think she feels less than. Okay. What do you think, Sebastian? I think you're, you know, when you're young, you, you always have that sense of um, 
you know, do I feel out of place, whether you're too rich, too poor, too whatever, and if you have a conflict with that, <coughs> um, usually it can get, I think, resolved in in the go just going for it. And you'll find, <laughs> at the end of the day, your true friends aren't really going to care if you've got dough or you're, you don't have two dimes to rub together. It's, it's completely immaterial. Right. It's the, uh, so through the action, I think you'll find a uh, solution to continuing to you know keep on establishing new relationships and or cement yeah. cementing and furthering the ones that you already have yeah and i say next time let's all go to denny's yeah <laughs> or I mean, she can afford you know whatever right. it is that she can afford dr alica what do you think i think the key here and i agree with both of you uh that it's acknowledgement of what the reality is mm -hmm. I, I, and the I, more that we can acknowledge the reality the more we can deal with it. I think it's important, though, because for me, I see that this is like even money mm -hmm. can make you feel like you're mixed and you're not in a crowd or you're different sure, or whatever. Absolutely. So, I mean, it just translates into every level. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I was a kid, um, my, my parents were pretty wealthy when I was a kid. And, um, the, you know, going to an English school, it was very much like, oh, you want to be, oh, you just want to be one of the lads. You know, you yeah. want to be just a dude, you know. And, um, I was I was uh, picked on quite a bit until I learned how to throw a punch, you know. Um, and we're not it, recommending that. No, we're not recommending <laughs> that. No, 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 that's not the advice there. Um, but uh, I remember constantly getting that, uh, oh, you're too rich, oh, you're spoiled, oh, you're this and that and the other, and having no clue that my parents didn't really come from money, and, you know, whatever. But um, And that wasn't the point anyway. But um, one boy specifically was saying something to me and saying, oh, you can get everything you want. And it suddenly... Twigged that, oh, I have the power here, and he's right. insecure, and and this group is insecure, and he's insecure. Right. Um. So um, I I said, um, yeah, I'm I'm rich. It's fantastic. Right. You know. <laughs> period. Uh, thank you. Period. And uh, and although that wasn't really my gut yeah. feeling, it was just my way of getting back to him at my yeah, yeah, eight year old brain. Age appropriate. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. That uh, I don't I don't need to fear my differences whether exactly. i'm black or i'm mixed or i've got rich dough or, or rich poor, or poor right. and, exactly. you know and so you know when uh, we didn't end up having a lot of money i was okay, i was still comfortable with being like yeah i'm just i'm just that man right because it starts early where you get that that yes, foundation i, I want to turn this around so i mean dr Alaker, what do you think like from the perspective of a child like garcelle's boys might look at her and say, well, I don't look like my mom. I mean, when we have a perception of other people, does that affect how we view ourselves? I, I think that the, the key there is uh, the sense of what is the difference. This is strictly external. Mm. This doesn't really say who I am. Well said. That's yeah. perfect, actually. And um, I think the more that, as a parent, as a society, we can address that question of um, not where do you come from mm -hmm. or what's, what color is your parent or anything right. like that, but who are you? Yeah. As I, an individual. You know, we are, we, this country is, is based on the individual. Um, we we think of ourselves as individuals uh, as opposed to just caught in a group but i think we need to honor that more 
I think we need to stress more the honoring and the, and the celebration of the individual. Right. And, and so right. In, in their book called you know, I Am Mixed, I love it, by the way. The cover is really good. Um, <laughs> the illustrations are amazing. You address that in such subtle ways, but it's such a powerful message. I think it's so important. Yeah, and I think the, the, what's really great about the books is that even though we're talking about something that would maybe seem heavy to some people, but we're doing it through like candies and licorice right. and chocolates and right. vanilla beans. Right. And, and it's and a so, very simple rhyming scheme. Yeah, and I think the fact that we're – you can still get the message. It's like getting, you know, it's like putting vegetables in your kids' uh, food right, without them it knowing it exactly. Right, and there's a so lot. So it doesn't of, have to be on the head. Yeah, and there's a lot the of nose. adults who are, like I said earlier, right. going to be mm-hmm. reading this to their grandchildren mm-hmm. or whoever, never realizing right. it's hitting them, but it we, is. You know, it's funny. Right. We get a lot of that feedback that people say, "Oh my goodness, I wish this book was around when I was a kid." I we get that every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, no, can I? And to see what, one one thing, because I think I need to say this. Okay, please, please. I hope you don't mind. No, I think just the question of self underestimates the intelligence, the intuition, the ability of a child to understand in ways that adults have difficulty understanding. Yeah, yes. absolutely. absolutely. And I we underestimate the capacity of a child. Mm-hmm to understand these things. Uh, in fact, I just recently read uh, that there was a study done at Harvard where they were able to trace that very, very young children have a very clear sense of fairness based on merit. Mm-hmm. So when you hear a child say, well, that's not fair, right. Right. they're saying, because I've done my share I've earned my merit, mm-hmm. right. and you're not giving me enough credit for it. Yeah, right. And that's a three and four year old. Right. Okay. That's true. That's true. So it's so important that we begin to recognize that children take in so much more than we ever give them credit that's for. Right. And why do you think we don't give them credit? Uh, Is it too uncomfortable for ourselves, and it stirs things up, maybe, and we have to deal with things or be accountable more? No, I think um, that adults forget what it's like to be a child uh, for some reason. (laughs) Not everybody does, by the way. I think also we get conflicted as parents. I think there are people, I mean, a good teacher is a good teacher because in some way she remembers what it means to be a child Mm -hmm. and knows how to read Mm -hmm. that child. I think the way that you're dealing with it says to me, oh, okay then you remembered what it was to be a child right. in some way. Otherwise, right. you wouldn't be responding in the way that you are mm-hmm. to the issues that you feel the kids, your children, might be dealing with. Uh, so, um, again, it's, 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 it's how an individual experiences their own background, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, okay. um, yeah, it's, it's, and it's very important to encourage that uh, by parents, by by teachers, by uh, any any role uh, model. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Absolutely, exactly. Sebastian. What were you going to say? No, I was yeah. just going to say. Um, you know, as parents, you know, we get kind of conflicted at times. I was listening to a radio study of, you know, um, kids that go to sporting events, and uh, if their kid is good at that sporting event, should they spend more time in the sporting event than the kid that's not as good, so they all have an equal share, or should they, should we be more kind of frank and you know forthright with going okay wait a minute maybe johnny isn't as good as 
you know, one at soccer, let's put Johnny in fencing or in boxing or something different to discover his yeah, his mean, new identity and so it, on. It's that's an interesting question. I mean, do you take a child and push them toward their strengths and keep right. supporting that, or do you show them where their needs are and right. put them in a place where their needs where are? Do I mean, you I mean, what do you think, Doctor Oliver? I think that you, um, first of all, whenever you're talking about sports or anything like that, I think for a child, it isn't so much the winning. Right. right. It is the playing of the Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yep. And I think that makes a huge difference in their attitude about themselves mm-hmm. because then they are allowed to be part of a team and part of a group that's going to enjoy what they're doing. And very, very often, that kind of energy actually is a winning energy, believe it or not. Right. And see, and I think that message, again, comes across subtly in I Am Mixed. I love that book because you're covering so much of it. It's Thank unbelievable. You. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. And coming from you means a lot. Thank you. I want to read you another email. Tom from Cleveland. I find the phrase, be an individual, really stupid. The kids that get tattoos and piercings and don't care what anyone thinks of them are not happy in their own skin. Sometime being comfortable with who you are and blending in is actually being comfortable with who you are. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I don't know if tattoos means that you're not comfortable with who you are. I mean, that's an expression of art or whatever, however you want to say it. I have a son that's all tatted up, so right. I'd like to think that he's got some love in there. <laughs> but um, um, I think, you know what? I think, yeah, it's okay to be however you are whoever you are and in communicate any, any way you want absolutely if you want to blend in feel free to blend in right. if you don't want right. to then stand exactly. out and shout it out from the rooftop it's different strokes. i think it's yeah i think it's exactly what we're talking about it's just being okay with who you are right and then you're not going to be triggered i would assume by other people who are trying different ways that are right. different than yours right. right i mean what do you think dr Oliver? uh i agree on 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 that one um, I don't think we need to go into that too much because it really says uh, that there's a way that this person is looking at the p- person who's tattooed, et cetera, et cetera, as being uh, um, doing something or making a statement about his own importance or something like that. Yeah, no, I and agree. I think wherever you feel important is where you belong. Okay. And I agree. I have one more question, one more email I want to read because it's really vital to a lot of the stuff that I see and maybe you see, Dr. Oliker, as well. Mothers and parents who have more than one child who are stuck in this place where one is different than the other Mm -hmm. and that parent is stirred up in a different way and has a different reaction to those children. So Sarah from Santa Monica is asking, how can a mother love and be comfortable with who her child is when she has you know, either one or more than one, while encouraging them to be their best. When you, if you have two kids, you know one isn't strong in this, but one, you know, and or maybe you stir up different things because one looks like your husband or your part, whatever. <laughs> like, how do you handle your own stuff so it doesn't it doesn't unbalance or stays equal within your children or your child? I mean, do you find that happening in your own home, Garson? Well, I feel it's so funny because people always say because the Jackson Jader twins are like, is there one that you favor? And I can absolutely say that I love them both the same. Yeah. I mean, no matter, there's, you know, certain things that me, Jax may do that triggers me or Jade vice versa, but I love them both the same. And I think encouraging them to be individuals is what I want to do. And sometimes if I see Jade will let Jax do something because he knows Jax is stronger in that, and I'll just say, you know what? You're good at this. Right. 
just so that he doesn't feel inadequate, but just sees that sometimes you're going to be better at that, and sometimes Jax is going to be better at that's okay. So I think it's okay. And they're young, so I assume and they're, young, they're yeah. not the ones with the tattoo. So you had another no, of child. of course. Yeah. So I mean, you have no, now the six-year-olds aren't tatted up. Three experiences. And three boys. Is it, so is it different? I mean, you. Can, it is different. I mean, first of all, I'm much more aware, more enlightened, and I would like to think than you know, with my 22-year-old right. than I am with my six-year-olds. But yeah, it was different. And I can see some of the things that Oliver, my oldest, is, has gone through are probably things that I sort of helped. Feed. Because I didn't know right. any better. So you got to get I Am Mixed. Yeah. <laughs> you got to buy that book. Get it out there. Get it out there. You know, so it's uh, it's all a learning process, but it's definitely supporting them wherever they need it. Yes. Got it. Individually. Dr. Oliger, what else do you I, have to say? I think that sometimes one needs to look at one's own history yes. Yes. and see whether there's a, what I call <laughs> a, a button that gets pushed or a vibe that gets reacted. Let's say if I'm from a family in which uh, the, there's a question of who's the smartest of us all kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I have one child who's particularly bright because the competitiveness of brightness gets played out internally in me, and I'm still struggling with that as an adult. I can treat that for you. <laughs> <laughs> then I tend to favor the child who's brighter. Right, mm. right. right. And I think the more we understand about our own buttons yeah. and what totally. we struggle totally. with, Great point. Right. the less we're going to put that on our own kids. Yep, That's parenting true. begins with you. Mm. Yes, All right. very, very definitely. So, Dr. Oliger, tell us where we can find you and where we can find your book, The Light Side of the Moon, Reclaiming Your Lost Potential. Uh, that's on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. and I uh, do have a blog on Psychology Today, uh, The Long Reach of Childhood. So uh, I'm, I'm found those ways. Tell Perfect. us about your book a little bit. It's a book about, um, again, w- uh, pretty much what I said, because the opening chapter is the Snow White chapter, oh, nice. about how um, we need to understand what messages we had as in our childhood and our parents, what the parents lived through, et cetera, et cetera, to understand what we might not be allowed to have mm-hmm. because it is a belief of survival. So that if I'm within a group in which survival requires that nobody be too important, let's say, um, Think of a woman in uh, a country that has very, very strict rules about uh, limitations on women. I'm going to be affected by that if my parents, if my mother was from that world and she's sending me a message out of love and kindness and a belief that I need to survive by not being too important, not being too whatever that's unacceptable in the world that she came from. It's the Snow White story. Totally. Needing to be ugly. Totally. And in a sense, that's very, very much the, the essence of my book because the important part of the, the title is living one's potential. Very nice. Right. The light, I don't know if you want to... The light side of the moon refers to how one survived um, a major loss and how one reacts to that loss and goes on with life in a meaningful way. And a lot of those early interactions 
really dictate how that's going to happen. Yes, exactly. Well, I think that you are a very blessed woman to have had the transition through your life and that journey to be here today. I mean, you're given a lot of great information. Writing that book is going to help a lot of people understand really how to check in with themselves and be able to be more solid as they go forward. So thank you. I hope so. That's the reason I wrote the book. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us as well. We can find you on your blog on Psychology Today and your book, The Light Side of the Moon, Reclaiming Your Lost Potential. Thank you so much for all your great insight. Oh, thank you. This was great. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You got a lot of good reasons why this book, I Am Mixed, is wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you really knew what you were doing, all that you were doing. No, of course not. (laughs) But all that you're helping. We probably wouldn't have done it. Right. (laughs) Do you see? It's amazing. It's amazing. It really is tremendous. And one thing that we we, we were talking about um, earlier, and something I would like to say is, you know, since we put the book out, I mean, we're very interactive in you know, feedback on social media and whatnot. So a lot of a lot of the stuff that you see is just my dime store philosophy is like, you know, people as they hit their teens, they become suddenly like, oh very punk rock. I know I know I know the world. I get it. Right. And then they hit their mid twenties, late twenties and they've you know, now they've got their purchased knowledge and they go, Oh, wait a minute, I was I, totally wrong when I was I really, I really got I, it now. I really got yeah. it now. And then they hit their thirties and they go, Oh, oh, oh. And no matter where they're at in their life, they're so rooted in their opinion and mm-hmm. potentially they're j- therefore jaded and you know, stunted on their views that they kind of forget that when they were a child, when they, when they were at the age, I mean, this is why we wrote I Am Mixed for this specific age group is because they haven't hit that kind of that, um, that, 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 that mood of going, oh, wait a minute. Um, you know, oh, I'm 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 brown, and um, hey, uh, right. your, your mum your mum wears those kind of right. clothes. Oh, right. let's go and play frisbee. Okay, right. Right. Uh, you, you know, it's that kind of age, and in some areas that it is it is actually very you know brought up a lot from from a young age, and parents totally. bring it's totally bring it's it the down. wiring of your brain it, just from the look on your you character's right. face. Absolutely, I remember one time um, Jade ran up to me and he goes. Mommy, uh, April has two dads. And for a moment, I thought, okay, how am I going to address this? And by the time I was about to say something, he was running off. And I was like, families come in all kinds of ways, you know? And that was really all that he needed. And if I had made it a heavy thing, then it may have been a, you know? Absolutely. I mean, the vitriol that you sometimes come across, you Uh, know? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's hardcore. And even even with this book and, uh, you know, and the sensitivity with race in this country, you understand it. And mm-hmm. and you you know for me I go yeah well of course right um, I have no no problem with uh, you know black communities being out you know some some black folk being outraged of this book I totally get it but then you engage in a conversation and you break the barrier and you break Absolutely. the barrier and that's yeah what it's about. because I think it's so important to see that the world is may not feel like it's in the best place but it's really <clears throat> in a good place as far as tolerance working together and really not looking at people for anything other than kindness respect right. and exactly. appropriateness and having a conversation yeah so thank you thank you Garcelle Bouvet <laughs> Sebastian Jones <laughs> I am mixed it looks like you guys on the cover is it supposed to <laughs> no, no. it's when you were in your G.I. Joe days <laughs> right. in West Hollywood right. <laughs> so where do we find suspenders. this um, Amazon.com BarnesandNoble.com and uh, all good uh, all good retailers Yes. Like uh, your local Barnes & Noble, your local mom and pop shop. Um, Beautiful book. Thank, thank you, you very much. So In many, much. many ways. Thank you, Dr. So Sophie. if people want you to come out, will you sign? Will yeah, you absolutely. Will you read to them? Will yes. you do whatever? Yes. Absolutely. We're will available. You sing, dance? Do whatever. 
Please ah, tap down. Very little singing. All right. James mm-hmm. Brown. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for giving us this gift. It's a, it's a lifetime gift. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, you guys. So that was very, very interesting. I mean, in many, many ways. It's something, it's something that you're going to have to listen to several times to really get it because it's very deep stuff. But the four things that I think are key to take away today, number one, the differences in all of us are really good things. And if you feel that you're uncomfortable with your own or someone else's differences or you feel like you have to peg somebody, red flag. Do something about that because that's really going to affect you and especially if you're a parent raising a young child. The second thing I think that's very important is learn to get yourself in check. Know who you are, your differences, that pegging need, whatever it is, earlier the better because the cleaner you are as a parent and start off parenting that way, the better off the brain mapping starts for your child to how that child translates into the world and being able to be an open-minded person. The third thing that I think is also very important is the starting point. Like, when does this stuff really happen to go sideways when a child or ourselves as an adult start to feel like there's something wrong and we're not comfortable in our own skin? And it really starts, and our expert talked about this today, at that point of criticalness when you start to see yourself or feel yourself being a disappointment to others or yourself. You're not pretty, you're not smart enough, your brother's darker, your father's lighter, your whatever. All of those places where you start to begin to plant that seed of disappointment, whether it's self or others, that's a starting point for not being comfortable within our own skin. So really be aware of that stuff, especially as we raise our children and talk to our children, because it will come out, especially if we haven't cleaned up ourselves and we are triggered. And I think the other really important thing is that children do hear They learn, they're like sponges, and they're doing a lot more that's quiet when they're around us than you would imagine. So we really need to be aware of the fact that even though we may not say we're not comfortable with our child or we don't like something in one child and we favor another child, it comes across, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, please be aware that we're sending a message to our children. So get yourself in check, and remember that parenting does begin with you. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for the calls, the emails, the tweets, all that kind of stuff. I really, really appreciate it. We hope that we're helping you learn. All of my podcasts are available on my website at www.drsophie.com and or on iTunes. By the way, it's free on my new phone app in the iTunes store. So go check it out. I always have my voicemail on for you at one 767 4966 24-7. So if you need me, give me a call, leave me a message. We'll get back to you. My book, Side by Side, The Revolutionary Mother-Daughter Conflict, free communication book. Who doesn't need that, even if you just throw it at somebody? Uh, ask listeners, please. You guys got to listen on or watch me, follow me, whatever, on Twitter and Facebook for updates. And visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. It's a great song. And also, the most important thing, don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down.